can you rescue me from the apathy that I feel creeping into my soul? <laughs> Where there was this moment, you know, I've always been a really passionate kind of person and um, feel very strongly about what I write about, feel very annoyed by things that I don't like. And I, you know, and I feel this drive and I feel this kind of exhaustion that I thought was just me. And now I see it everywhere. And I, you said you were writing another book. Can you, through the world of ideas alone, <laughs> infuse some energy? Do you feel that, like you could write an optimistic book in a kind of pessimistic moment now that can save us all? <laughs> wow. Well, um, if you're part of, if you think of yourself as someone who's struggling for progress and change and political change, it you have to start looking in the mirror. You have to see in the ways in which you've cooperated with the, with the the state with the, the with the establishment with the powers that be and 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 be critical of all of the of the ways in which you avoid taking responsibility for 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 change and taking responsibility uh to you know or at least resist the the some of the so-called progress is being made that is in fact very regressive like the progress of the algorithms that are uh you know programmed by the department of homeland security to weed out good think from bad think or wrong think you know like you 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 have to face up to your own complicity in this moment doug lane is a science fiction writer novelist and podcaster and he's also the host of the Sublation Magazine show alongside yours truly at uh, Sublation Media on YouTube. Uh, did I miss anything out in that introduction? Father of four, um, philosophy major. Oh, devilishly uh, handsome. Devilishly handsome. Yeah, that, that's, that covers it. Yeah. And yeah. predictor of the future. Mm. So <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about your science fiction work, I have known you for uh, 10 years and I've never had a full-on conversation about your work. And I thought now is a good time. Now is a good opportunity. There's been a lot of talk about UFOs lately. Wow, what is it? Mysterious balloons popping up in February, a congressional hearing in April. This is an example of one that I showed at the hearing recently. And last week, NASA held a public meeting to discuss how it studies unidentified anomalous phenomena. The primary objective of this incredible team of experts is not to go back and look at grainy footage of UAPs, but rather to give us a roadmap to guide us for future analysis. While none of those events suggested that the U.S. government has any evidence of extraterrestrials that have visited our planet, this week, a whistleblower who has reportedly held positions in both the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office alleged that the U.S. not only has evidence of alien activity, but has recovered, quote, intact and partially intact vehicles of non-human origin. We were having a discussion the other day and you told me it would be great if two times in a row my novels predicted the future. So can you tell me what you meant by that? Well, yeah, um... So my last novel, which was published actually five years ago now, I can't believe how long it's been, uh, in 2018, was called um, Bash Bash Revolution. Um, I actually was recently approached by uh, a young man who's starting up a literary agency, and he asked me for a book proposal, so I may write another novel in the future. But my last one was Bash Bash Revolution, and it was about 
uh, a future. At the, no, actually, it was about the present at the time where uh, a computer scientist and his family um, are placed in a position of, of basically they're, they're given a mission by the artificial intelligence that the computer scientist who's working for the NSA develops. They, what they're told is that the war in Ukraine is going awry, that there are, is anywhere between two weeks to 90 days left for humanity before there's a nuclear war. And something needs to be done to change society quickly in order to avoid the obliteration of the human race. So the uh, so there's two parts of the present that are in my novel. Ukraine, or in Ukraine with the nuclear threat, and uh, an artificial intelligence. We just, you know, have been hearing about chat GPT and a, a bunch of other new AI programs that have come out in the last year or so. So I thought, wow, I'm really, um, I'm, I, my novel really predicted it. Like it was spot on. These are two elements of the, of the story that now have come to fruition. This is our current reality uh, rather than a far fetched science fiction future. And then recently the final part of my novel uh, was introduced by Apple which is called Vision Pro, these um, augmented reality goggles mm -hmm. that they put yeah. out. The AI develops these augmented reality goggles in order to shuttle all of humanity into augmented reality and basically neutralize humanity before it destroys itself, Produce, sending it into a video game universe um, where every individual and private fantasy can be fulfilled and they'll keep their fingers off the button and stop mucking about with world affairs and let the computer run the world. And that, and that's the conclusion of the novel is that humanity is saved by losing its autonomy and, and becoming basically an appendage of the artificial intelligence. <laughs> This is the Apple Vision Pro headset. It starts at $3,500. It's going to very possibly replace the smartphone one day. So, how does it work? What's good about it? What's bad about it? And then, most importantly, why on earth is Apple doing this? So, it's a pair of goggles that you wear over your eyes. I wouldn't exactly say they make you look cool. Like these auto-tinting sunglasses I'm testing for another video kind of do. Wow. But I think the key thing that Apple's trying to go for here is to make it look seamless. They've designed it in a way that even though there is more tech going on in this headset than literally any other consumer tech product on the market right now, that it doesn't feel like a burden. And then the other thing that you can tell Apple is trying to push here is that this is not you losing yourself in your own little world and your own content. This is a social experience. Well, obviously the AI in my story and the actual AI that we have are worlds apart. Um, but the on the first question, the, the easiest part, the least fantastical part of my novel I think was the conflict in Ukraine because it had already occurred. There had been a uh, conflict in Crimea. Uh, there, you know, th there was uh, clearly the potential for that to become uh, go from being a cold war kind of problem to a hot war problem. Um, I, I, I could, I could see the brewing conflict, especially during the Trump administration where the Russiagate story was so dominant. Um, there's a Russiagate 
angle actually to my novel. Like I take it for granted that Trump is um, at least somewhat involved with Putin. Like that, that's in the background of my, I, I, I feel ashamed of that now. Like, uh, you know, I totally fell for the, uh, the propaganda at the time, but like Trump is in the novel um, and the potential conflict between the United States and Russia uh, was already on anyone's uh, on everyone's mind, I think, in 2017 when I was writing the book. Um, the, the I think the Russiagate story kind of primed the pump uh, for the eventual conflict in Ukraine. I mean, I I as a science fiction writer was picking up on that story that was in the news and the kind of the propaganda around Russia at the time and just extrapolating out into the future to what might possibly be be uh in the future you know in what i thought was the most hyperbolic and kind of extreme way but it turns out you know i i wasn't outpacing reality by very much there so you said that you bought in a little bit to the propaganda um a lot of dystopias can be essentially conservative in nature they can say look this terrible future is possible but if you act now and you do the right thing you can conserve this good society as it is. Um, but you were coming from a left-wing angle. So were you saying, if you act now, you can stop the evil Trump from getting in cahoots with, uh, with Putin? You know, do you regret the, what's the message of the novel? What can we learn from it? And is it something you regret or stand behind? No, well, I don't, neither. Um, uh, I don't regret writing it and I don't stand behind it either and completely. Um, what I, when I, sat down to write the book there were a lot of things that went into it i mean people who um know me personally uh said oh you 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 made your son the main character um so there's all sorts of uh, aspects of my life that you know be became part of the book i don't believe it's the case that the, my son was the main character but um people who knew me and knew him like people his age friends of his said that they thought he was the main character um you know it's about a dysfunctional family and since uh, i wrote the novel and it was published i've been divorced um it was about uh uh the uh the kind of alienation of the, the young particularly young people feel in society the main character is an honor roll student who drops out right before graduation because he doesn't see the point in going on to college or trying to make a life for himself because the world doesn't seem to have much of a future, so why should he invest in his own? Um, and it is also about, I thought of it as a thought experiment uh, about how to overcome um, capitalism, how to overcome value production in particular. And I thought of it as a technical problem. And, and so what I sidestepped in writing a novel was writing a book about organizing the working class and self-emancipation and any kind of political project that would have been that would have bogged down the story i wanted to write this sort of fantastical science fiction story that people would want to buy so i didn't want to write about like union organizing and labor struggles and any of that i wanted to write about like a, a technical solution so i tried to think of a technical solution to the problem of, of value production and i thought well if we had another fully worked out uh network of of relations that that would be managed for us through an ai 
where, where rather than uh, labor time mediating society, instead the desires of video game players of all different types would would determine what needed to be produced and what needed to be and yeah basically what needed to be produced and where it needed to be distributed if that would and and if we simplified many aspects of our life uh because most of our life wasn't lived in the real world anyway then we could overcome capital capitalism we could could overcome value production and so that, so i sat out sat down and i wrote this story i wrote i mean there are a number of wish fulfillments that i was trying to fulfill when i wrote the novel i was like one was uh i wanted to write a novel where the middle-aged father could beat his son at a video game which i hadn't been able to do for probably about two three years and so i uh on so many levels <laughs> so i thought well how would he be able to do that well he'd get ai augmentation and you'd have help from an outside source and something would you know tap into his nervous system to help improve his reflexes and things like that so that was a part of the story it's that the father in the story becomes the world champion uh player of a, of a game called bash bash revolution which is just my a, a slightly altered version of super smash brothers melee um which is a popular video game it was, was a popular video game at the time it was an old game that had had a resurgence and people were you know playing it professionally and competitively at the time uh super Ma super Ma smash super smash brothers melee um and which was a game i played against my son ben and who he would just trash me every time so it's like my fantasy was i could beat him at it there's that aspect of it then i was like okay how can i overcome value production in this book and i thought up a way to do that and and then the i guess the, the final part of it was like how can i imagine uh, uh a a, uh, a a situation where the the human race has its intelligence outpace its stupidity and the way that happened was through an artificial intelligence you know some elite group creates an artificial intelligence which takes over for the stupid human race but when i wrote it it was a dystopian novel. I had written it with the aim of kind of producing a bunch of solutions ranging from I can finally beat my son in a video game to overcoming capitalism. But everything that I wrote was, you know, had a sense of melancholy and loss and uh, alienation. And, and, you know, the solution to the problem was just as bad as the problem itself in a way at the end. So uh, every reviewer, saw it as a dystopian book uh, uh um, a kind of a morality tale a warning no one said oh doug has overcome capitalism with this book <laughs> look he solved the he overcome got value production he overcame value production with look at his little clever trick no one no one cared about my technocratic solution that was in the in the novel but they did the humanity did, and the loss you of humanity intentionally kind of set out to do that no yeah i just i just wrote the story as it came to me you know i i i i the first thing was i had these ideas about you know a, a father can beat his son at a video game oh gamers are the revolutionary the new revolutionary class um not not the working class but video game gamers you know uh they're going to be the new vanguard party i really hope gamers are not the revolutionary subject because if online discourse is anything to go by, that would be a hellscape. And 
unfortunately kind of reminds you of the very worst aspects of really existing socialism and zero desire to learn from that situation. In fact, Stalinist purges, all right, I'm going to have the upper hand. <laughs> that's that's what it sounds like. No, look, though, I think that the I think that teenage boys who go to gaming tournaments and hang out, drink too much Mountain Dew and play Super Smash Brothers Melee against each other are more social and more relatable than most people on Twitter. It's just not, it's don't, 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 uh, don't belittle the, the gaming community by comparing it to the online left. It's not a fair comparison. Um, there's more camaraderie there. Uh, it, it's, it's, but, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, no, it's a very bad, it's very, it, it was a dystopian book. Um, uh, but yeah, I just wrote the story as it came to me. And then when it turned out to be, dystopian and melancholy and and kind of a uh you know a, mor a morality tale of a kind and and a, uh a, a dark satire of the present rather than any kind of utopian vision of the future i just accepted that i mean that's pretty much been my mode for throughout my entire career i've never really written a utopian story i've always written these dark you know black comedy kind of satires you kind of removed the subject you removed humanity from the story and i wonder if this is because the doug of 2017 is a is very different from the doug of 2023 so you said recently you've had like an awakening where suddenly you realize that the whole russiagate scandal and so on you look at things with different eyes so at that time were you distrustful of people and distrustful of people's you know just people just swallowing media narratives and so you thought oh, well, we can't have a, a humanity that's capable of actually taking control of things and, um, you know, trusting humanity to make the future. And so you just, without realizing it, deleted them and it took you to a bad place. Or did you do that intentionally? Have you changed since then? I think that uh, it was not so much that I... Um, it, it's not so much that I distrusted humanity, but that when I looked at what I saw as the problem of overcoming capitalism, um, I discounted uh, the the struggle of the political struggle of working people and everyday people, um, and thought of it and thought of the problem of overcoming capitalism as a technical philosophical problem so when i so i i removed the humanity from the question of overcoming capitalism in a way that i think was a mistake but it was not that i distrusted humanity i just myself couldn't conceive of the problem in political terms i'm not sure if i still if i can yet um i just know uh that Trusting AI and the technocratic state to overcome capitalism is is a dead end for sure. And you know, when I wrote the book, it, it was in a way I it, it, you can see it there. I knew it was a dead end. I knew it wasn't the, the kind of future that that people would really want. Um, it was a a dark novel. It was meant to be me solving the problem of of capitalism. And I tried to tell people at the time that that's what it was, and they should read it against the grain and. Never mind the dystopian surface, but really there's the utopian element to it. But um, no, it, it, uh, that, the, uh, look, uh, 
Apple Vision Pro and Pokemon Go and, you know, the technocratic state and algorithms and all of that, that none of that's going to save us from, uh, you know, this dystopian collapse of capitalism. You know, and I will say one thing that's different is I did not foresee in 2017 the way the algorithm would be turned against people in terms of censoring the, their expression. I mean, in a way, I I suppose I did because not only were people's, um, uh, you know, speech, uh, not only was the speech censored, but their all of their ambitions were transformed and redirected into like playing a live action version of Qbert. But you know, talk about a reduction in the horizons of, of human life. But uh, you know, and rather than having a regular meal, they would just be fed this powdered soylent substance and. You know, they would live in little because they're already in augment, they're in an augment reality. They don't need a nice bed. They can just live in a cot and then go to the porta potty and then <laughs> go play, you know, uh Frogger and Mall. Um for yeah, real though, like unironically, this is a world that many people who consider themselves sort of progressive-ish, leftish mm -hmm. kind of think mm -hmm. about. You know, you hear them talking about how well, certain kinds of food, are these really necessary? Do you really, really need blah, blah, blah? And they've, they've traveled the world from the real Marx, uh, who is about, you know, who expressly says that a real need is whatever the level of civilization is capable of offering. But you have these people who want to reduce us to our basic needs, you know, these sort of degrowth, quote unquote, socialists, um, who would, you know, actually relish that kind of world and who, who see the more coercive and censorious aspects of uh, technology actually as a good thing, as something that will save us from ourselves. Um, did you sort of recently wake up to this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was the um, realization that the online world was, you know, under the control of the state and that some old values that I uh, really cherished of just everyday free expression and uh, free association and just everyday kind of human social life was under attack uh, that I that made me rethink my own novel is far too technocratic. But again, I want to point out in my defense, no one can read my novel and think I'm really endorsing that 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 future i mean it's just not i mean the main character the person you sympathize with the most holds out to the very last moment against the new society in the name of love for christ's sake in the name of the love of a girl so like you know it's like yeah very you know it, it, it's a novel at odds with itself the the technocratic author can't help but write against his own vision i think in, in this story um it's, and then, okay, the other thing I wanted to come true, I mean, that's part of the, that novel's come true almost. The other one was um, After the Saucers Landed was my novel before that, which came out around, I think, 2015. Well, uh, before we get to that, so you mm -hmm. said, wouldn't it be great if I had um, two novels that came true? But I wanted to ask you, there was an aspect that you mentioned before that I, I, I wanted to get into, which is you mentioned Apple Vision Pro. Uh, right. You mentioned this as an aside. So what does that mean to you? Is this uh, another dystopian development of technocracy and coercion or just uh, augmented porn? <laughs> um, well, in the novel, in order for people to fully enter into the virtual world 
and be productive at the same time. The virtual world and the real world have to be integrated into one. So rather than virtual reality where you're just in a computer space alone and therefore limited in your mobility, you you are uh, introduced into augmented reality where the real world that you are in is integrated into a virtual space. So, you know, at the beginning of the novel, uh, I describe, I don't know, like a, a, a mob of people dressed in uh, green screen Lycra bodysuits. So when they look at each other, they the, com the computer-generated characters of whatever video game they're in will be projected upon the, their bodies uh, by the, the computer. Um, uh, you know, or in a parking lot, and they're like, I don't know, they're playing Frogger or Space Invaders or something, but live action. And in the process, they're also... Uh, in the process of playing these different games, they produce parts that are needed for other games like they'll they'll part of their the video game they're playing will by you know by design of the ai uh, some of their actions will help produce computer chips or something like that it, it it you know it's that's the fantastical part you obviously would need highly focused and technical work to create a computer chip you couldn't just be doing it while you you know were playing virtual joust or augmented reality joust or whatever but i i Again, took some artistic license there but the idea was that the real world will become uh virtual rather than uh all of us like in ready player one one of the the aims of writing the book was to be sort of an answer to ready player one like ready player one um i thought was not not marxist enough you know it wasn't really uh anti-capitalist enough it, it assumed the society that we have now the kind of neoliberal order we have now would persist even after the good guys in the novel won you know won the day like nothing fundamental had to change for the ready player one universe to have a happy ending and um so i wrote a book where the sad ending was a total overcoming of capitalism um by the ai and but also one where the virtual reality world was seen from the perspective of someone in reality all the time. So rather than seeing the wonders of the virtual world, he's just seeing people with like wearing like green screen suits with uh, uh, flaps in the back so they can undo and poop in the porta potties. You know, like <laughs> you know, like they just like just sort of like they're wearing green screen pajamas and. And uh, suck that would make an absolutely brilliant movie scene. I can see it where it's like the amazing world of AI, and then like the goggles fall off, and the people have like a butt flap. <laughs> That's right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is the thing, like the this this revolution that you imagined, where you were kind of seeing, well, maybe we don't need the subject, maybe we don't need humans, and you were following it to its logical conclusions, looks in a weird way like a, an augmented version of our present reality, where the technocracy seems to be bringing us socialism of its own accord. You know, and people will say. Uh, oh, yeah, it's the mar long march through the institutions under our noses, cultural Marxism took over and socialists see the exact same things. And they're like, yeah, and they're cheering it on. 
And the thing that I've said is that, no, this is the ideology of capitalism in decline. This is the technocracy trying to fix itself by harmonizing all these horrible things that are happening where you're being dispossessed, your family is being taken away from you and the private sphere is gradually being eroded. So there's more and more control over what you think and what you say and so on. And everyone's like, yeah, that vaguely looks like socialism, hurrah. And there's not <laughs> anybody to fight against that. Um, do you think you accidentally kind of foresaw these trends before you before they began to come to fruition in this sort of like technocratic dystopia that if you're stupid, you could mistake for a socialist utopia? <laughs> I, I, I am noticing that you, you you're saying that I, I was stupid. Uh, but no, uh, you know, the the I would definitely say that I saw trends. Um, I think a lot of people. I mean, look, Ready Player One in a way saw the same trend. Uh, people saw this at the time. It wasn't that long ago. It was five years ago, but it wasn't that long ago. But I, I, um, I think that uh, uh, the difference is that I tried to write about all the like California ideology, technocratic solutions for capitalist society from the perspective of a Marxist, where you really did overcome capitalist production. Usually, that's left completely out. Like the the workers still work, there's still commodity production, there's still exchange for money. All of that all remains in most of these utopian or dystopian fictions. So I like I focused in on no, we're no longer going to produce for exchange in the market. We're no longer going to have uh, prices. We're no longer going to have workers exploited for their labor time. All of that's overcome by the AI, which will direct all of our production for us. And everything will be mediated by video and augmented reality. And I told myself, and I think this in some way is true, like capitalism itself is an augmented reality. The, the, the production of value, the way in which we exploit labor, is a virtual reality. It's not, there's no reason why the amount of time it takes to build something should be uh, uh, embodied in the commodity as a kind of, as an abstract value. That that doesn't that is virtual. That is not. Um, well, there are lots of reasons why, or else it wouldn't have happened. But you're saying that it's not necessary to continue. Yeah, I'm saying it's not necessary to continue. It's not um, intrinsic to material, natural reality. It's a social reality, as is the meaning of a video game. It, it, it there, you know, there are different levels to it. I mean, the 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 value of a commodity. Has, is, has more deeply rooted historical meaning than the meaning of a character in Qbert, like for sure. But nonetheless, neither one is like the same thing as a quark or an atom or the or entropy or a natural law. Neither all of these things are produced historically through social relations and 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 human consciousness. It's not they're all all ideological ultimately. Even even value production itself is kind of an ideological construct. So I thought, well, what if we could come up with a different set of ideologies that would, or a, a different ideology that would mediate our relationships for us rather than value production? The 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 way I went wrong, uh, and and the reason it became a dystopian novel, and I you know I don't think that I went wrong as an artist, but I went wrong as a Marxist. I think it's a good novel; people should read it. But the as a as a Marxist, the way I went wrong was by not including the self reflection and self responsibility and self emancipation 
of a revolution into the, the novel that, that you you can't have it done to you you can't you can't uh, escape uh capitalism inadvertently you know it, it, it yeah um, in a way it's like a, a warning of what happens if you suddenly find yourself in a revolutionary situation that you had no part in because <laughs> you can see this now with people where they're like wow we've made enormous strides uh <laughs> I didn't really do much. I kind of mm. just asked to talk to the manager. Mm. <laughs> do you right. know that's all we actually needed to do? <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it's like, it's so weird that this, this um, freedom feels a lot like oppression. And um, <laughs> and I just kind of just going to do what the manager says now because they've got my best interests at heart. Then you can wind up in a situation where that uh, in a future that you had no part in and that you don't want to be in. And this mm -hmm. is kind of what happens if you give up on the idea that humanity can see something wrong and try to do something about it. Because every time people have tried to do that, you know, you've got factions of whatever part of society that are just screaming. Um, these people are insane. So you had, you know, Occupy and there was a, a certain amount of insanity in that. And then you had, you know truckers protests in Canada and there was a certain amount of insanity in that and yet there's this kind of expression at their heart that goes back you know 150 years for people to try to push for the realization of the promises that capitalism can't keep right like if you look all the way back to the very first you know movements like that you know um, 1848 the Paris Commune these were everyday people who believed that they could have freedom and that the last barriers to that freedom could be knocked down and that they could do it themselves. And even Marx and Engels, they were like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> you guys aren't really ready for this. And people were just like, no, no, we can sort this out. And they they like radically took the, tried to take the future into their hands, like so, so radically. Um, and, and, and to their great credit, Marx and Engels were like, all right, you know, it's probably not the right time, but they threw themselves behind them. Um, and I often think like what sorts of ideas were in these people's heads at the time, you know, like it's not like they had um, perfectly progressive sorts of ideas in the 19th century, but they had a sense that humanity could progress without the enlightened expert from above to give them the rules and give them the way and give them the map. Um, they could do it. And now I feel like that's kind of gone. And the lesson of the 20th century was when a whole bunch of people get together, they start goose-stepping. And so the only people that we can trust are those in power, which is uh, uh, to sort of help us to control our thought, to stop us from hurting each other, to control our speech, I meant to say, <laughs> um, to stop us from hurting each other. And um, I feel like your novel reflects that moment where we were kind of searching for a solution that humanity didn't have to take part in and it doesn't lead us anywhere good to be fair like those mass movements also didn't lead anywhere good because you know how many tens of thousands were slaughtered after the paris commune not by the communards but um the old ruling class that um sort of plotted in exile um and so you know humanity's kind of at a stalemate yesterday it hit me like a ton of bricks i thought all that energy, the populist moment, absolutely dissipated. And I thought it was just me. I thought maybe I just need a break or something. Mm. I realized that that feeling of exhaustion is widespread. 
Do you yeah. think that we have come up against another wall, a, a kind of political apathy where it's like everything we tried hasn't worked and there's just no use fighting anymore? Um, when I say everything we tried, I mean like voting for Trump, <laughs> I have Brexit, this idea of like sticking it to the technocrats and being like, no, <laughs> I don't want your ilk anymore. I don't want people who speak to me nicely. I want the truth what I, in whatever form that comes. You know, it, it may, whether you think that Trump was actually that, but it was definitely a reaction against those slick, talking, smooth, PR savvy people for something that appeared more authentic. And that appears now exhausted.